sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 139. Hope everyone is continuing to stay safe and healthy. Keep practicing all those social distancing guidelines while we try to get out on the golf course this summer. We should, fingers crossed, have some PGA Tour and Corn Ferry Tour events in a couple weeks to enjoy. So definitely looking forward to that and how these events are going to be played, operated, and covered in the coronavirus era. Speaking of televised golf, the match at Seminole took place this past weekend. DJ and Rory took care of Ricky and Matt Wolf. Got the match at Medalist taking place this coming weekend with Tiger and Peyton Manning going up against Brady and Phil Mickelson. Now, I'm sure we can get into a massive debate about the format of these events, how the match at Seminole ended, if the TV coverage was up to snuff. But I'm actually going to focus on the fact that while tournaments are being canceled left and right, every other professional sports organization is shut down. Some great people got together and said, hey, let's do something. And more importantly, let's make sure we raise a ton of money for people in need. Our game allows us to see DJ Ricky and Rory playing an afternoon game at Seminole of all places. We get to see Tiger and Phil go against each other in a match with Brady and Peyton Manning. I don't think you're going to see any televised pickup basketball games with Michael Jordan and LeBron going up against Magic and Kevin Durant. Flag football games for charity with Favre throwing passes to Jerry Rice? No, that's a Copperfit commercial. That's actually not going to happen for real. So I hope you enjoy these matches for what they are, not for what they aren't. And again, focus on what they're designed to do. Raise money for people that truly need it and provide the rest of us some live golf featuring some of the best players in the world. So as I've said many times, your support of this podcast is greatly appreciated. If you have not done so already, please leave a review in Apple Podcast. Tell your friends about the back of the range. You know we're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The website, thebackoftherange.com. That's where you can find all the links, and that's where you can find every single episode in the history of this podcast. So yesterday, the USGA made their announcement that, in my opinion, seemed kind of inevitable. They will hold four championships in 2020, the U.S. Opens and the U.S. Amateurs. All other championships have been canceled, and the Opens and the Ams will occur without qualifying. They'll be rolling out more information on the exemptions that they'll be granting for these championships to fill out the fields. Should be interesting to see how that plays out. Again, it seems that the USGA, PGA Tour, and every major sports association is doing the best they can in these uncertain times. Just have to hope that all these tournaments go off as scheduled without any additional interruptions. Speaking of the USGA, my guest this week, many of you will remember from his days playing on the PGA Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour, but you may not know about his current day job. My special guest on this episode is Jason Gore, who is the Senior Director of Player Relations at the USGA. I had a feeling that this episode was going to be a great one before I started recording, and I was not disappointed. Jason and I hit on so many great topics. He shared incredible stories. He won a national championship at Pepperdine in 1997. He made the 97 U.S. Walker Cup team that was victorious at Quaker Ridge. And he won seven times on the Corn Ferry Tour, more than anyone in history. We spoke about his professional career, 
his family, and ultimately what led him to his current position at the USGA. Now, one important thing to remember, this episode was recorded before the USGA made their most recent announcement, so we didn't speak about the cancellation of the U.S. Mid-Am or the fact that the Opens and the Amateurs would not have qualifying. I'll try to get Jason or someone else from the USGA on the podcast at a later date to perhaps speak about these topics, but for now, sit back, enjoy this conversation that I had with the introverted, the shy, the reserved Jason Gore. Jason, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm I'm doing okay. Uh, we our jobs have gotten in the way of uh, us getting this done earlier in the week, but I'm glad we can uh, kind of get get uh, get some of your thoughts and stories from your career. It's uh, I'm kind of letting listeners know when we're recording this because obviously everything changes from day to day. Uh, it's uh, it's Friday, May eighth, and. Um, you know, we're all just kind of dealing with what we're dealing with with the uh, coronavirus. Uh, I have to ask you your your job before you uh, before you started your uh, your present uh, role at the USGA for the last uh, year or so. You're a professional golfer on the PGA Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour. You travel for a living. Now you're home based with the wife and family. Have they seen this much of you um, ever? No, and it's um, are they okay? I mean, no, no, they, 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 I'm starting to feel the, the big heavy wrath of this, all the things. So I got, I've been sequestered to my own room. Okay. We have like, a, like, um, uh, a room above the garage that the, when we bought this house, this guy turned it into his, um, into his office and it's now a guitar room. And I have actually had to build a desk over here since we're all working from home. Right. So I, I get told to go away a lot. Oh, which, well. which I don't blame him. I got a little putting green over here now and, you know, a little like a little ten by four putting green that I just kind of walk over and hit a bunch of putts and act like I'm working and so okay. or I mute the phone a lot and play guitar. It's, it's kind of a it's I got a pretty good gig. It sounds like this interview is really going to be an intrusion on your day to day working life. I mean, uh, I mean, this is going to be I'm going to hear the guitar in the background if you, if, you, if things start getting boring. So I'm going to do my best to keep this as entertaining as possible. Oh, you're on mute. I see what you're doing right now. I see what's happening. Is this an accident or is this just really good comedy? Jason? Hello. That was off to a bad start. No, no. That was actually funny because I was just saying I got I better make this as funny as possible or as entertaining as possible. And then I and then I heard you go on mute. I'm like, oh shit, I lost him already. He's playing guitar. So uh, <laughs> it just that, was, hung up. that was great. Oh, you just hung up. Okay. All right, perfect. No, I'm gonna leave that in. That's great. Um so there's a lot of things with your career that we can get to from, I mean, every single level has highlights. Um, I, I thought I'd actually ask you a little bit about junior golf. You know, growing up in California, I think anyone that knows anything about your career, you had some pretty notable guys you grew up playing golf with, you know, Pat Perez and, and, uh, and, and Tiger Woods. But I wonder if you could share just a fun story about junior golf, you know, not about points or rankings or what, what you know? What it, the golf would do for you moving forward, but maybe something that had nothing to do with you developing as an amateur and eventually professional, and just boys being boys on a golf course. Oh man! Because um, a lot of parents listen to this podcast, a lot of a lot of college players listen, and it seems like junior golf right now is all about you know power <clears throat> rankings in the AJGA and what what scholarship and what coaches looking at you and we kind of lose focus on, man, just be 13 years old playing golf and get a, you know, get a Coke and a hot dog at the turn. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that was, that was the best part was the, uh, was the little raffle ticket that was stapled to your scorecard where you were like, Oh my gosh, I then, you know, do I leave it on there? So I, so I don't lose it. Right. Or do I take it off? So nobody steals it, you know? And that was the Coke and the hot dog ticket. Gosh. I mean, a couple of good stories that weren't even on the golf course. Oh, um, yeah. I remember one year we were going to Carlton Oaks for junior America's cup. And it was me, tiger, Chris Tidland and a guy named Young Nam. We had a really good Junior America's Cup team, and I was probably the the greenest golfer because it probably wasn't. I you know those guys had played since they were like four years old, and I was probably fifteen. I'd probably only played for three or four years, sure. And just and was was got decent enough to be you know top four in Southern California at that point. But um, for some reason, it was July, and there was just this freak rainstorm in Southern California, right? And so Bob Livingston, it was about five three. It was our director of of, uh, of junior golf for Southern California PGA, and um, we're driving down. I can't really think it was a van or something like that. But he decides we're going to stop at a Chuck E. Cheese, which is the you know the petri dishes of all <laughs> all society, right? Yeah. So. And there happened to be like a batting cage in there, and Tiger's like, you know, I love hearing the stories. Like Tiger's like, oh yeah, I played baseball as a kid. That's why I wear a baseball cap. And I remember him going in, and I, I, I actually did play baseball. I was always the big kid, right? Sure. So I played baseball all the way up till, um, and I actually played a little bit in high school until I got in, in into golf season. But um, so, so there happened to be like a wiffle ball batting cage in there, and sure enough, we go in there, and Tiger grabbed a wiffle ball bat, and interlocked his grip on the bat oh that's smart <laughs> and, and i looked at him and i go dude seriously and he was i mean he's the kind of kid and i like i, I love him to death even you know i still consider him a good friend but i mean that's the kind of kid you strike that you that struck out a kickball oh yeah that's yeah you see that and you're like okay gonna pick you last thanks Thank yeah and, but i mean he he missed it by a foot a wiffle ball oh god and i'm like you know, God bless the guy can hit a, hit a golf ball. Sure. Yeah. I mean, arguably the best, but, uh, it was just funny to actually see him there. And then, then we, you know, we decided not to eat there. And then we went to like Del Taco, which if you've never been to Southern California, I, haven't I, had a Del Taco taco. It's, uh, I've it's like heard. made with God. Yeah. yeah. It's made with God, God's teardrops. Um, and, uh, he powered down 10 of them. Oh, and no. you know, I was always like, Oh yeah. Like oh, just, no. And like it was nothing, didn't get sick or anything. You just, you oh. just, he was, he was hungry. So, um, you know, and I'm, you know, always been the fat kid too. And it was like, I probably had like three or four, and he had ten, and the guy couldn't put on a. I watched, I gained three pounds right. watching him eat ten, ten tacos. But anyway, it was, uh, but yeah, it was just stuff like that. And I think it was like the camaraderie that we had going forth from there, and and the stuff with junior golf was, you know, you actually had to learn how to be with each other be on the road. Yeah. And like, I've, like I've said, you know, to most people, like what, what does it take? What's the difference between professional golf and amateur golf? I'm like, well, there's a huge difference. Like just being a professional is the golf's the same, you yeah. know, obviously they're, they're, they're better players, but there's, you know, you have to actually learn how to be a professional golfer. you know, different beds every week, different greens, different, you know, all the, the amount of golf you play, um, just stuff like that. But when you go on trips and you actually, you know, you get the camaraderie and you, you start to learn what 
be around better players and you know and like we we talked about this the other day and it's like why is junior golf why are these guys so much better younger i'm like well and why are they such better friends because jack and arnie weren't great friends but they were competitors i'm like well they didn't grow up with each other you know and it's like you know justin and justin thomas and jordan spieth well they kind of grew up with each other even though they were in different you know, parts of the country, it's like, but they were, they were always the best. So they hung out and they learned from each other and they, you know, and now they're, now they're buddies. But, um, so I think a lot of it has to do with that. And, but yeah, you, you get to, you get to be around better players and, you know, just outside of your little, you know, public, I grew up in a par 61 golf course. So was lucky enough to have, you know, good buddies that, that played a lot of, played good golf there. But, um, you know, you get to, go out and see other people and see what they do and compare yourself to, you know, to see where their games are at and see what you need to work on and see what they excel at and what you don't. And I think that's, that's, that's what, that's where junior golf has gotten so much better is the exposure to each other. Yeah. The, I, I like seeing for everything that's can be negatively said about social media. It is interesting whenever I, I post anything about a, a college player that I interview, you'll see like, 20 or 30 of other college players commenting or liking and they're all keeping track of each other and they're all talking to each other so it's pretty cool now you're you're we'll talk a little bit about your your role at the usga you're the senior director of player relations but i know that one of the aspects of your your job is actually traveling to pga tour events uh talking to players as someone that was inside the ropes playing for a living playing on the tour going from stop to stop and, and having the relationships now you're i guess a little bit outside the roads, but still within the confines. Maybe what are some of the th- different things you're noticing about maybe the the life of, of a PGA Tour player today versus maybe, you know, 10, 15 years ago? Do you think it's harder? Do you think it's more of a – is it more of a business or is it about the same? I guess you've only been in the role for about a little over a year, but I'm just curious maybe as someone just looking in on the outside, do, do you notice anything that jumps out at you? I think there's so much more of a, of, of a, it's more of a business now. There's so many more moving parts. I mean, I think Tiger brought so much more money into the game and, yeah. you know, now there's nutritionists and, you know, which obviously I never had. Um, you keep beating yourself up on this fat kid stuff. We're going to knock that off real quick. Okay. <laughs> I mean, let's just calm yeah. down with that stuff. Okay. As I'm, as I'm tightening up my belt, cause I've been on the Peloton, but. Uh, oh, another, uh, another pro with their Peloton shit. Oh my yeah. gosh. Here we go. Yeah. Just, just getting embarrassed by it, but uh, <laughs> getting embarrassed by these, by these children on the, in the like the Rory's and them just quadrupling my point totals or whatever the, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I still feel like I can play. Yeah. You know, and I, and, and I still f- feel like I have the competitive juices and I, I miss it every now and again until I walk out on a Monday and watch these guys beat themselves up. How, how so? How do, you, how do you mean beat themselves it, up? They're just, they're just grinding. And I just want to walk up and, guy, and go, guys, it's Monday. Relax. Right. Okay. You'll be fine. And I, it's almost like I want to go up and talk to myself because I was that guy. Like I love to practice to the point where I beat my backup. I beat my, you know, my joints up and all that stuff. And so I I loved it. Like I could sit on a range, like when I was at home and I was supposed to be taking time off and relaxing, I would go to the range and just spend six hours there, you know, putting green chip. I, I I loved it. I fell in love with practice. It just, I, it was just my thing. It was just so quiet and just, 
I loved it. Right. And so then I just want to walk up to these guys. It's almost like I was talking to myself and be like, Hey, go see a movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like get out of here. It, it's Monday. You're, you're not going to find anything right now. You're going to make one swing, hopefully on a Tuesday. And you're just going to go, Holy smokes. I got it. Yeah. And the thing that's changed now, like with technology and you see you walk out and like, it seems like nine out of 10 of them have track mans and their coaches and their physios and all this stuff. And like when I first got out there and I hate talking like this, cause I just sound like the old fogey like, back in my day, back you know, like that day. guy. Yeah, I know. It's great. But I used to walk down to, to like buddies on the range and be like, Hey dude, can you take a look at my swing? Yeah, exactly. Like that is gone. And that is, that is, that's a shame. Get it? But because I'm assuming it's gone because God forbid you, you show one of your playing competitors that, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. And then not even that, they just, they've been like, not brainwashed. I don't know how, but like, you know, now we have phones and Hey, you know, you can hand your phone to your caddy and can you send this? Can you take a, a slow-mo video of, you know, 400 million frames per second right. to my coach so he can break down you know, my, my P4, uh, at, uh, you know, at 38,000 frames per second and, right. you know, find out that I'm, but I'm three and a half centimeter, three and a half degrees and centimeters off here. And it's like, can, can you hit a low hook? Can you hit a high cut? Can you hit a low cut? Can you hit a high hook? Like, can, can you, can you hit all the shots you want? Well, yeah, we'll go play. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's like, you know, I just remember, like, I, we were talking about this with, I just was on the phone the other day with Dickie Pride, and you know, we talked about oh, this a bunch, but I mean, like, I love him. Best he, celebration of a winning putt or a, a tie uh, putt ever. FedEx St. Jude, that is the best. I mean, it's at least top five. It's at least top yeah, five. He's, yeah, he's a top five human being, too. I mean, yeah. he's just a great guy. Um, but, um, you know, like, you used to go to Pat and Perez and we're traveling or whatever, and it would be like, you know, or, or Dickie or something like that. It'd be like, Hey, can you check me? I was like, dude, you're aimed 50 yards. Right. What are you doing? You know, or, yeah. or you, you, you just like, you're just something stupid. And you'd be like, Oh yeah. Now it's like, well, you, you know, your, your arm planes aren't over here. And it's like, can you just, usually it was something so little. We had so, we had so, you know, honed our golf swings to just be who we were. And it was usually something so, you know, minuscule that we could figure it out with setup or, hey, your shoulders are open. Oh, okay, cool. That's why I, that's why I keep like hitting pull cuts or I keep wiping it. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, when, when I'm when I'm playing amateur tournaments, you know, I'll say to my buddies like, hey, can you look at this? And like normally what it takes is they'll say, okay, take your stance to get lined up. And then they grab a couple sticks and put it down and they say, all right, come back here. Look at this. And they're like, that's yeah. where your feet are. That's where your club face is pointing. And you can't really get the same thing if you're just filming a swing, sending it to your coach that's maybe on the other side of the country. Yeah, or world for now. Or world, of course, on, you know. yeah. So Yeah, but, um, yeah, you know, and what happens if your caddy is, you know, five degrees to, you know, a foot left of where you want to, where the proper angle is, right. you know. You know, it's just, it's kind of the camaraderie that way is just different now. Like you just can't go up to your buddy and be like, Hey, take, take a peek at this. What's going on. Yeah. I mean, I never had a problem with, with, Oh my gosh, I don't want to think if, if, you know, he thinks I'm struggling It'd just be like, Hey dude, check this out. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, before you, before you start playing professionally, I, I got to touch on a little bit about, about your college career. Now, 
you know, I know that you've been asked numerous times about your time at Arizona before your transfer to Pepperdine. You guys won the national championship in 97. And I think you've said basically you were young and, and homesick. And, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people that listen to the podcast, they're, they're, like I said, parents of juniors or college players, college coaches. And, you know, Arizona, absolute powerhouse, but just, you know, I guess didn't end up being the right fit. I'm wondering, just looking back, you know, is there a way or, or can you maybe give advice to parents or juniors that listen to this that, you know, was there anything maybe you would have done differently during the recruiting process that would have perhaps moved you to a school like Pepperdine from the very beginning? No, honestly, it, it Pepperdine, I just fell out of like complete dumb luck. And okay. it was, um, I actually wanted to go to UCLA or USC and didn't get recruited. I mean, I was a Southern California guy. And just didn't get recruited. I don't know why. I was a pretty good high school player. Um, you know, just maybe one of those things. I got recruited by Arizona and um, went. I thought it was going to be great. You know, they had David Bergano there, who I'd known from Southern California. And, you know, with Manny Zerman and Jim Furyk. And they just won the national championship. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be great. Um, and just went there and it just wasn't my speed. I, I loved everything. And it just... There, there was a coach there that just, and it wasn't the head coach. It was, it was, you know, a couple of people within the, within the program that just was. Just won the fit. Yeah, it just wasn't a fit. They're like, you know, if you don't get mad on the golf course and then, then you don't care. And it's like, oh, wow. It's like, no, man, that's, that's just not, I'm not a real high strong person. And listen, I'll get mad, but it's going to be on my own terms. It's not going to be because I want, you think I should get mad. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's no, going to be. It's going to be a disappointment and, you know, just like every other golfer has ever picked up a club. But, um, you know, I was walking down a fairway with a buddy of mine who played at ASU and we, we had committed to go to the same school together and we didn't. Right. So he went to ASU. I went to U of A and we were both, you know, shooting our temperatures at some event. And he kind of said something funny walking down the 18th fairway and I kind of just chuckled right. and I got oh, yelled. Yeah. I, I got yelled at because, you know, you shouldn't be talking to him. And it's like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I get, I, it's not, no, no, that's not, you know, it's not why I'm here. And, and I think that's kind of what happened in my professional career. Once, it, once it became a business to me, I wasn't that interested anymore. I always loved golf just because I loved golf. I yeah. loved it. And once it kind of became, you know, a business and, you know, well, this is what you have to do and you have this and you have that, and you know, you can't like, I lost interest. It wasn't, I, I, I played golf cause I loved it. I mean, my back is killing me and, and, you know, I played yesterday just cause I wanted to be there. Yeah. So that's, that's the reason that you should play. I, uh, I, I told you before we started recording that I, I come bearing some gifts. I, I have a Manny Zerman story for you. Oh boy. Oh yeah. There, there, there's a lot of great ones. All right. Well, this is, this is my own that probably is not very well known. So probably about 10 years ago, I'm down at Shula's golf club in Miami and I'm trying to qualify for the Florida open. And I don't know if you've ever played Shula's, but it's, it's down there. The putting green is, is pretty much in a wide open area where you can see the first tee very clearly. It's probably about 50, I guess, 50 yards away. And, you know, the tea times come out a couple, you know, a week or two before, and I see I'm paired with Manny Zerman. I'm like, I know that name. And sure enough, yeah, Manny Zerman, back-to-back runner-ups at a U.S. Amateurs, played in a couple Masters. And I'm like, wow, that, that might be kind of interesting. You know, maybe, who knows? I don't know the guy at all, but maybe I'll, I'll hear a story or something. And I was looking forward to it. So I get there, and, you know, I hit my balls, and I'm putting. And, 
you know, I think that whatever the tee time was, 9.15, 9.20, whatever it is, well, I'm putting, and then all of a sudden this guy comes on the putting green, and he's the mayor because he knows everyone. He's shaking everyone's hand, saying hi, and it clearly becomes evident that, uh, that that's Manny Zerman. Well, I'm like, okay, that, that, that guy's pretty damn popular around here. So I'm like, okay, well, whatever, and I'm finishing up, getting myself ready, and I guess if the tea, if the tea time was nine twenty, let's say I'm like, well, it's about nine oh seven. Let's uh, let's mosey on over to the first tee, and you know I get there about nine ten, and you know shaking hands of the starter and how you doing, and I'm Ben Adelberg, sure, and here's your card and rule sheet, and we're chatting. It's nine fifteen, and I look over and putting green. There's there's Mandy Zerman still kind of putting and talking and shooting the shit. I'm like, okay, interesting. Now it's nine sixteen. Now it's nine seventeen. Anybody know where Manny Zerman is? I'm like, yeah, I think he's over there on the putting green. I really don't know. Okay, great. And well, it's about uh, it's about nine twenty, and Manny Zerman shows up, and um, he's like, hey, how you doing? And guys like, doing great. You have a, a two shot penalty. He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, I've already started my instructions and rules, and you're late. Manny Zerman shoots seventy four or seventy five and or something like that, and misses by one. And that is oh. a true story. Oh, man, well, <laughs> it doesn't surprise me when you say that because when the moment I stepped in, stepped in Tucson, he walks up to me and goes, I'm Manny Zerman. This is a kingdom and I'm the king. Oh, wow. You've just trumped me because <laughs> my. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I, I mean, he, he's he's the best. He's, he's uh, the best. He's just. He just runs it. Oh. He runs the show. Yep. Okay. Well, then uh, I thought I'd share that one with you, and you basically backed backed it up uh, pretty concisely. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I, I am not calling you a liar, my friend. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. Okay. Moving on. All right. Let's just go over to Pepperdine now. Um, let's let's. I just had I had the good fortune of talking to one of your former teammates, um, Andy Walker, and uh, just super guy. I mean, that guy has done. Gosh, he's he is been in every facet of this game playing coaching college coach uh you know instructor been on he's been on the big break i mean he has just been everywhere and uh, he's doing great things down here in boca raton at lynn university they won a national championship a d2 title very special guy oh boy i i i know if he's listening right now he knows exactly where i'm gonna go and i'm Perfect. not gonna go there oh um oh well no so so andy I met Andy. I don't even know where I met Andy, but we had, we had been buddies, um, you know, a little bit before and he was supposed to go to San Jose state. Yeah. And, um, I guess he was driving from Phoenix to San Jose state and, uh, he, something fell out with his scholarship and I'm probably telling this story wrong. I've just told it so many times and he, you know, he, every time he corrects me, but, I like my story way better. So we're just going to go with it. That's fine. Um, he stops at Pepperdine and you know, and next thing you know, he's, he's living on my floor and I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a first year guy there. Cause I just transferred. Yeah. Andy is Andy's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. He's squatting. I'm like, well, he's, he's basically squatting. He's like, he's, he's in purgatory. He's nowhere to go. Like, right. So yeah. So he ended up staying at Pepperdine you know, he fell out of San Jose State, and I honestly will say this till I'm blue in the face. He's the reason why we won a national championship. Wow, that's high praise. Speaking of the NCAA national championship, due to coronavirus, the um, 
NCAA is basically giving seniors an opportunity to kind of have a uh, an additional year of eligibility to you know go after a championship. And you know as well as I do, Pepperdine. I mean, there's a lot of teams that were kind of in that little mix that were really looking good for a national championship. I know it goes to match play and anything can happen, but but Pepperdine, along with you know Florida and, and uh, Oklahoma, they're really one of those teams. You're 20 years older or, uh, and wiser. If you were given the opportunity to spend another senior season at Pepperdine, which is actually located in Malibu, California, um, how fast would you be signing up for that extra season? I just tried last week. Okay, got it. Perfect. Yeah, I just yeah, I just tried again. I'm 40, 40, 45 years old. I just tried to sign up for one more season, one more senior year. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think there's really an option right now. Yeah. I mean, now that they've now that they've canceled canceled Q School and they've made a super season now with the uh, Corn Ferry Tour, right? And the PGA Tour, and there's no Q School. I mean. Not just look at the numbers and the professional, uh, you know, avenues that have been either closed or open, but just the idea that I have a chance to go back to college for a year. You and I are basically the same age. I'm 43. I think you're maybe a year or two older, but we're right there. Holy shit. Another year in college? Are you kidding me? All over it. Oh. And, and like, I, I talked to John Augenstein's dad. I've been talking to Michael Beard at Pepperdine a yeah. bunch about Sahith and you know with especially and this is this is this is me being selfish right with Walker with Walker Cup coming up oh in, my god we have to get to that in too. May oh yeah in May in May I'm like this could be the greatest Walker Cup team uh, ever assembled yep oh yeah and, and and I'm just like guys there's nothing you're not going to get in anything you're not going to play like stay like trust me you have the rest of your life to yep. be a professional yep and, you know, for like Sahith Pagala, who's a Pepperdine guy, who's number three ranked amateur in Wagger right now. And, and, and I know he's, you know, he's gone through injuries and this would actually be his sixth year. Oh, I know. He's like, man, he's like, I'm, I'm ready. And I'm like, I understand that. But someday you'll realize you weren't. Well, I, you know, I, so. I, I've, I've had him on the podcast. He's an awesome guy. We, we, we text back and forth periodically on Instagram and, yeah, he he's he's re- he wants to go, but I'm just looking at this. I'm like, oh my god! I'm like, I don't want to like tell the kid. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 interesting. Whoa. It's it's I, I I get where they're coming from, but yeah, it's it's um it's insane. Yeah, I, I just you have you have your life to to be a professional, yeah. and right now when you when you you know that life to be a professional doesn't have many options. Um, stay. Oh. Gosh. Stay. I mean, especially like I keep going back to Pepperdine. I, I, I'm kind of biased, so just bear with me. Do it, um, hey, national. You should be man. National championship. I mean that that. And we, I talked to Andy about the run and how uh, you know your coach, Coach Guyberger, wasn't there because of chicken pox, and you got Kevin Marsh, your 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 you know straight down classic buddy, and and you know U.S. Mid Am champ was was the kind of you know jumps over from the Hooters tour to coach that week. And I mean, I love that story of that team. So you, you, you got full board to talk about that team. It needs to be a movie about that week. It was crazy. But, um, but yeah, so talking to him and I'm like, listen, man, you just go there. And especially with Pepperdine, they're number one in the nation when all this hit. Right. Yeah. And if he goes back, I mean, they're going to be stacked. And it's like, go stay go win the national championship because you know what i would never trade anything 
for the team competitions, you know, you got Walker cup, you got national championship. Like those are the highlights. Like I trade my tour win in to do that again. Wow. You trade your, you know tour, what I mean? You trade, yeah. Oh, I, I get it. I like, get it. like those, like if anybody goes, what's the highlight of your career? Well, it was my amateur stuff, you know, because, because there, there was something involved with, there's something cool about sharing it. You know, I know I never played a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup or anything like that, but like, there was something cool about being able to share it with, especially as, as tight knit as we were with Pepperdine, like, like we, you know, using the line from um, Goodwill hunting, like, why does he hang out with those guys? Well, any one of those guys would take a baseball bat to your head for each other. Yep. You, you know, so like we would have taken a baseball bat to anybody's head for, you know, for one another. And, um, we just, we all, we loved each other and we, we were just, we were just there for each other. And, and um, you know, like to be able to share that moment, like I tell this story a bunch. I, I had a one shot lead going in the last hole individually and Kevin Marsh comes up and I drove in the bunker and I laid up and I had seven iron into this par five and he walks up to me and he goes, you okay? You got it? And I go, yeah. He goes, I said, how many sh- are we leading? He goes, yeah, we have a seven shot lead. And I looked at him and I said, well, I don't think I'm going to make an 11 and but damn it. I tried. I tried. I know you did. <laughs> you- I tried. I tried to make an 11, but at that point, all I cared about was, yeah, was, oh my gosh, our team just won. Like we did this together. And it was, it was one of those things. And don't get me wrong. I cared about three weeks later. Sure. Of I, course. I, you know, I was like, crap, like that would have been awesome to, 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 you know, to, to kind of get both and be the NCAA. Cause that, at that point it was like, gosh, I would have helped Walker cup team. And that's when it kind of finally started to hit like, Oh my gosh, I could make this team. Yeah. And that's, and then that's when I, you know, kind of did my thing where I went to Eddie Marin's little pro from Bel Air and said, well, how can I make, how can I learn from this? And not just be like, well, I choked. I'm just can't next time I get here, I'm just going to choke again. Right. So I tried to learn from that, but anyway, that's another completely another story, but um, like to be able to share it with, um, with the team. those guys, yeah. with those those team and that, those guys, and you know I loved Guyberger, still do. I love Guyberger, but to have Kevin there, who's played with us the year before, and to be able to share that, and we're still super tied to these to this day. So to have him there and have him be a part of it was even more special. But going back to like our original conversation about Arizona and and you know where to send kids, go there, go to where your kids feel comfortable because they're going to be the best they are yeah, where they okay. feel comfortable. Don't go there because, you know, the names are in lights, you know, the, okay. the programs and lights go there where they can excel and they can become better. Go there where, where it's the best fit. And, you know, maybe if it's going there with people they knew, you know, knew growing up or they always played well with, okay. you know, maybe there's, I just think you got to find that right fit. Like I, I stumbled into Pepperdine. Okay. I, I, when I went to Arizona and left transferred, I didn't get released from my scholarship. I actually wanted to go to UCLA or USC again. And back, you know, pack 10 rules back 10 at that time. Um, now it's the pack 38 or whatever the heck I it think, is. Now I think that's, that's accurate. Yeah. Um, I didn't get released. So I would have lost a year and had to sit out. So I just kind of, st- I went to a, went to, on a recruiting trip to Pepperdine, like, kind of like unofficial and just met the guys there. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I know every one of you guys. Yeah. I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just go here. Like, I, li- I like you guys. You guys are all really good. I know how good you are. 
it was just dumb luck. It was like, you know, God was watching or something, but it was, uh, it, it turned out perfectly. And if, if I had a chance to do it all over again, I would have gone there for seven years. You know, it's really interesting. Um, you're talking so highly about, about Walker cup, you know, you play on the 97 team and, and I think I have the math right, but you win the national championship with Pepperdine at Conway farms near Chicago on May 31st, you win the California state amateur on June 15th. I think you win the state open as an amateur a week or two later, you do all that. And then at the very end of June, they announce eight of the 10 members of the Walker cup team. And you're not one of them. And what's interesting is that now you have the U S amateur before the Walker cup. So it's kind of like that, that, you know, to coin the phrase of CBS, you know, with, with the PGA championship, how it used to be, you know, glory's last shot, you know, you had that U S amateur as your last shot to try and make the team. Well, in 97, the Walker Cup was August 9 and 10. The Amateur was after it. So you have this month of July. I think you play the Southern California Amateur. And that's really all you had to kind of further your case to being that final one of those final two selections. And you get it along with, um, with Buddy Marucci. You guys are the last two on the team. Do you ever look back and think about how much? I mean, look where look what you're doing right now. You're senior director of player relations for the USGA. That job probably doesn't happen if you don't get one of those picks in '97. And also, there's a lot of guys that I know are on the PGA Tour that were in those spots where they were the 11, 12, or 13 guy on the list that don't get picked, and you know it still eats at them. Oh yeah. And I just I'm and I'm just thinking like how how crazy the 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 scope and and you know uh, trajectory of your life and career was changed by those decisions uh you know basically in July to say yeah Gordon Murchie yeah it, it was um it was nuts I mean I played in the Pacific Coast Amateur and won there and I think I played in the Ventura City Amateur like I mean we didn't have a ton of money so it was kind of like. I, we went to uh, the Pacific Coast Amateur was in Maui. Oh, and it was it was one of those uh, you know paid for by SCGA kind of things. Sure, sure. Pay for you to go. It was a team deal, and I think I won by six, seven, something like that. I won, I won by a bunch, but that was I was already picked for the Walker Cup team at that point. So okay. um, I, I got picked the Saturday. Um, this is this is actually a great story. Okay. So I'm playing because yeah, I, I wanted was, to I wanted to know when, you know, when you when you find out you're not one of the eight, and then what's that like before you find out that you're on the team? Because that had to just I'm curious about that. I'm glad you have a story. So playing in the Southern California Amateur, I am leading after Saturday, and it's at Lakeside, which turns out to be my, you know, I, I ended up being a member there since '97. So I. You know, I was offered an honorary membership right after that. But um, so I'm playing there. And Saturday afternoon, a good friend of mine who actually ends up being the USG, the president of the USGA, a guy named Jim Vernon, comes up to me after the 18th hole and goes, Mr. Gore, will you come with me? And I'm going, oh, shit. That's exactly right. I'm going, SOB, like, what, what did I do? And he pulls me back. And I don't know if you, Lakeside's in Toluca Lake. It's, it's right across the street from the studios. So it's kind of like this old, it's the golf course, Bob Hope and, and the, the Rat Pack kind of opened nice. up. It was, so it's, it's, it's just this old club. It's just the greatest place ever. Right. So, so they walk back and he pushes on this wall that doesn't have a door. 
it was like a wood panel door and I'm going, Oh crap. Like I signed my, I, you know, I'm going through my whole round thinking, well, they didn't, they couldn't have seen me bumping over in the rough over there. Right. Like, right, right, you know, right. like, like <laughs> I didn't cheat. All right. Like I signed, I'm going through like all my like, mental picturing my scorecard. I'm like, Oh yeah, I got a hole by holes are right. All right. I'm like, Oh, and he just sits me down at the desk and he goes, how you doing? <laughs> well, I feel I'm going to get whacked right now, but other than that, I'm fine. Uh, like, and he just kind of smiles at me and I'm like, okay, uh, what, what I, did I do something wrong? He goes, no, no, no. And he's the nicest man ever. He's about six, four, six, five, you know, tall, slender guy, just nicest guy. He's just got the most like welcoming, like smile ever. Right. So, um, he goes, we're, we're just waiting for a phone call. Oh dear God. And I, and I go, Oh my. Right. So now my heart's pumping. Cause now I kind of like, I'm putting two and two together. Right. Right. As much as a 23 year old could, of course, at this point. And literally the phone rings and he goes, and he answers, Hey, 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 hello. Yes. Yeah. He's right here. Hold on. Hands me the phone. Jason Gore. Yes, sir. Fred Ridley. Hi, Mr. Ridley. How are you? And he was the president of the USGA at this point. Yeah. And he goes, um, Jason, um, just want you to know that, um, you have been selected to represent the United States of America. You know, for the water. Yeah, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it, right? Yeah. So, um, so I'm like, well, you know, like it took everything I can't, you know, to not say, holy shit, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll like freak out and be like, that's effing great, you know. <laughs> so, um, so I'm like, you know what, thank you, sir. I'll make you proud. And it's just an honor to play for our country and stuff like that, right? Right. So, you know, just was so excited. And he's like, well, you can't tell anybody. And I go, seriously (laughs) you can't tell anybody i'm like can i tell my parents who are standing outside my brother you know and i think they already knew right Right. so i like i walk out and i'm like hey come over here And we walked around the corner and you know told them and we had the hug fest everything was cool and so the next day we get out there and i'm playing we get to the 16th hole part three down the hill and there's a little snack shack like the seventh tee sixth green seventh green uh 15th green, I'm sorry, 14th green, 15th tee is right there. It's like a little tiny little, you know, snack shack right there. These, this four way stop. And uh, these two guys in a suit come around the corner, like full black suits, oh, white shirt, black tie, sunglasses. Mr. Gore, come this way. And I'm like, son of a bitch, what I do now, yeah. right? Like, can I, I'm just trying to like beat this, like, like Dr. Steinberg, right? Craig Steinberg. Who's like, you know, he's my age now. He was, you know, back then he was three, three, three years older than dirt. Right. And he's probably like 42. Right. Um, this guy's an optometrist, optometrist or a dentist. I think he's a dentist, but you know, good guy. I knew him for a long time, but um, you know, he's just, he's a bulldog. He's a great player. And I'm trying to beat him going down the stretch. Right. He's just, he won't go away. So these guys come out in a suit. Go, Mr. Gore, we come this, we come with us, please. Sure. So I walk around the corner and there's this, you know, this tall guy and this, this little white haired lady. And, oh, Hey, president Bush. Uh-huh. And I'm like, um, so, um, nice to meet you. He goes, you know, I just wanted to meet you. We're out playing golf today with my lovely wife, Barbara, nicest, you know, super nice people. Right. You know, I just wanted to, wanted to congratulate you. You know, the Walker cups named after my maternal grandfather and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and meanwhile, like they're on the green. This is this is in the middle of a hole. I, this is the middle of a this match. Is a, this is a, 
Yes, this is in the middle of like the final round, final group of the SCGA, you know, Southern California Amateur. Meanwhile, I haven't even hit my tee shot yet, and I'm talking to the President of the United States, right? Like, or the former President of the United right. States. Um, I'm like, okay, like, uh, no pressure. I hate to, um, hate to cut this hate short. To be, I hate to be rude, Mr. President, but uh, I gotta go beat this dentist, right? <laughs> <laughs> So like I, I I didn't say that, but I'm standing there like talking to him, and I'm like, he's like, well, you know, good luck, you know, at the Walker Cup, we'll be rooting for you, and yeah, Mr. President, thank you very much, Mr. Bush, you know, but I, you know, did all the niceties and sure. I go up, and I actually I hit this eight iron, I am shaking like holy crap, I just yeah. I just met a president of the United States, right, and powerful man in the world, and um, I hit this eight iron, and it's going right at it, and this pin is back center to his green that's kind of pitched fly the green by 15 yards of course i was just about to say anyone listening thinking that the ball goes in spoiler alert no he's so jacked up on adrenaline he airmails right. the world yeah yeah airmailed the world make bogey lose by one and to this day i still play president bush for losing the damn it's got to be one of the best quotes I will ever remember from the history of this podcast. Excuse me, Mr. President, I have to go beat this dentist. Um, that's that's literally, I mean, when, when I start making merch, damn it, that's going on a t-shirt. Um, that's, that's so good. Um, all right. So we're, we're, I, I can't let go of Walker cup quite yet. I mean, you guys absolutely destroyed GB and I that year, I think it was like 18 to six or something obscene. And, and you, you played four matches. I think you went two Oh and one. If I recall, you, you won both your matches the first day. Um, and, and we'll, you know, we have other things to get to, but I can't leave Walker cub. Walker is one of my favorite topics to discuss. You are actually the 25th Walker cupper to be a guest on the back of the range. And, uh, but before we get to serious stuff, let's have a little more fun. Who gave you the nickname tiny? Captain Downing Gray. Yes, he did. Yes, yeah. he did. Well, the funny thing was, is going back to like the selection, like he had never watched me hit a shot. Oh, Whoops. so, so, uh, that's even the, the funnier part is, you know, like now, um, Nathaniel Crosby is out at almost he's, every yeah, major he's traveling. Yeah. He's almost out at every major, cha- uh, amateur championship and he's, he's looking at, these players and following them and stuff like that. And so like, I never had to sit there and watch Downing gray, follow me to watch me. Right. So I get on the first tee in the practice round and I hit this drive and he goes, well, 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 what do we got here? <laughs> and I, you know, and I, I hit it long back then. And like, he was like, son of a, <laughs> he's the gr- greatest storyteller of all time. But um, he, uh, so yeah, the first thing he said to me was, Dang, I didn't know you were going to be this tiny or something like that. And it could have been Jeff Hall too. Like, you yeah. know, he's just, you know, like he, he's, he's now, um, you know, I guess he's not one of my bosses, but he's like, we work, you know, he's, I ask him a lot of questions here at the USGA, but uh, yeah, he was my Walker cup manager and he's just, he's, he's great. He's been awesome. But um, he's now the managing director of the U S open. So, um, so we work a lot together and just, it's a, one of those small world things, but oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's I think that's how it came. Well, I uh I have I have met Downing Gray. I have had beers with Downing Gray and uh he did tell me uh earlier this week when I was prepping to talk to you that uh you uh you enjoy uh day old pizza in your locker. Um so I 
I was told that story. Um, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Who doesn't, who doesn't like a locker full of day old pizza? But uh, but uh, shame on you if you don't. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, day old pizza and and watching afternoon matinees with your clothes on. I mean, it's just whatever whatever you're into. Um, so he didn't he didn't tell you the champagne story. He did not tell me the champagne story. So I'll let you, I'll let you tell that story. So we had we had put a whooping on him the first day pretty good, right? I, yeah. I don't know if it was if it was eight to three, seven, eight to three, right? So eight, we, eight we, and a half, we, three we, and a half. Yeah. Okay, so we yeah we were we were we were gonna win, right? So when we got there, it was you know, it was my first time ever really saying like whatever you want, just put it to the room, right? Right? I, I don't what the heck's that mean, right? Like, right. I, that means like, well, nobody's going to see this. Right. So, so I, I may have ordered a bottle of Dom Perignon and a bottle of Cristal Jesus. And, and, and ordered and sent it to the room and, you know, just had it to the room and may have brought it with me the next day. And they're still mad at me for that. I'm like, well, you, you started it. Like, <laughs> don't worry about the USGA people. The first ones to crack that sucker open, you know, but, uh, oh, yeah. but yeah, no, they you know, Jeff Hall is like, what the heck are you thinking? I'm like, I think we're going to enjoy this win. And he's like, all right, well. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to me. Um, yeah, there's $600 worth of champagne. Don't, yeah. don't judge me. No, it's, it's, yeah. Come on, just, just put on the Underhills count. Um, yeah, exactly. The uh, You know, the thing about talking to Walker Cuppers, it's so funny. I've, I've spoken to ones that have gone on to play professionally, win on tour, win majors. I mean, I... I I was able to interview Mr. Nicholas and he's rattling off every member of his 61 Walker cup team. Like, like, like it's nothing. What is it about just being that, that one week? I mean, you're literally playing at the most four rounds of golf. It's two days. It's one week, two days in your life. What is it so much that, that gets all these guys, all these Walker cuppers that, that speak of it as like you just said, you would, you would trade in a tour win for the Walker cup. I mean, it's the, it's such a, why is it such a big highlight in your career? Not arguing against it, but I'm like, it's a common theme. Everyone is just, they always talk about their Walker cup experience. Cause it's pure. It's the purity of it. And, and like, like I said earlier in this conversation, like, you know, I, I, I miss the competitive juices and, you know, and I'll get out of there and I'll, and I'll see these guys grinding on Monday, but I really, really, really missed golf when I spent eight days at the U S hammer last year. Interesting. You know what I mean? It was like, oh my gosh, like that, that to me is the essence of what golf is. And I'm not taking anything away from the tour or the tour players or anything like that, but I think you'll get most of them to agree that that is why we stayed out late at night in the summers and just hit that one extra putt or that, you know, I just want to hit this one, you know, one more, just give me one more. Just one more. And that, that to me was the, the, the purity of it all. Just the, the pure competition of it all. And, and just, you know, anytime you get a chance to represent your country, it's, it's, it's special. And yeah, just the, 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 the purity of, of being with guys that, you know, love the game just as much as you. And they do it because they love it. Not because it's, it's, you know, they make millions at it. And I'm not, like, like I said, I'm not knocking anybody. Of who course. Does. Well, it's, I mean, it's two and, different things. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not a profession at that point, but now, you know, yeah. later on it, it becomes one. So it's right. And it's just, it's everything you work for at that point. And it's like the epitome of, 
it just checks all the boxes. Like it, it, the way the USGA and the RNA run it, um, just the, the, the specialness of, of you being a Walker cup and the, the, the extraordinary feeling that you joined something so precious, you know, just being part of that Walker cup society. When I get the newsletters, like Walker cup society member, it's like, that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm something, I'm a part of something special. Like I made, I made something when it didn't, when it didn't matter. When a, when a house payment, I did something, you know, for, for when it didn't, you know, when there wasn't a dollar sign, this is cause I wanted it. This is cause it was just pure. Like it was just, this was all the hard work that I did on, you know, on my parents' time or on my dime or on my time or whatever it was all the classes I missed at school. Oh, <laughs> Man, I'm gonna edit, I'm gonna edit that out too for you. I mean, I'm just gonna really hook you up here with the final edit. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can leave that one. Well, you know, it's point. well, you know, what's interesting is I was I was at Hoylake last year, and you know, I I met uh, I met Holdgreef, and I met Bob Lewis, and uh, and Sigal, and Marucci, and and you know, and they're there. And I'll tell you, man, it's only gonna get better for you. It's only gonna get better because those guys have been around Walker Cup since you know, the seventies and eighties. And they're still just, I mean, Holt wearing custom red, white, and blue foot joys, uh, with USA. I mean, you know, that those are his captain shoes and he's wearing yep. those over there at Hoylake. And I mean, they're, they're on the first tee tearing up and it's just, you know, it's incredible. It's only going to get better for you. Well, when they do the opening ceremonies, um, and that American flag goes up. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, I mean, I get emotional about a, a phone call in the back of you know in the doldrums of Lakeside Clubhouse. That's a really cool it's, story. Think, think about uh, think about when the flag went up. What I did. Oh. I mean, it was uh, you know. I mean, if you walk into my office at the USGA, I've got my Walker Cup bag, my Walker Cup clubs. Wow. I, I've got my bag intact, down to my Walker Cup badge, and the golf balls were still in there. Like I, I left everything intact. Like I just took the clubs out. Oh and put them gosh. in a different bag, but like I've still got balls in there from Walker Cup. Like it's still that's incredible, completely intact. Like that's how much it meant to me. Like I down to the putter. I think I don't know where the sandwich is, that's... so it's not thirteen out of fourteen clubs were in my bag. So and that's that's in my office, and you know with my nineteen ninety seven United States Walker Cup team, like that that is in my office with everything original. Like you can go through it. I think I had to throw out sunblock that was in there still. right 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 oh that's so that's incredible but yeah that's how much it, it it's that's how special it is to, to be a part of that um before we kind of move on to a couple other topics before i let you go i i i don't know why i'm just i feel like i'm just in a giving mood so uh i've never tried this before on, on a podcast but i am texting you a picture right now and i am going to wait until the until I, I hear your reaction, because I know what it's going to be, and then I'll explain why. Why I'll explain to the audience what you're looking at. But what is your first reaction when you look at the picture that I just sent you? The shorts. Holy smokes! So. <laughs> um, wow. Yep. So what you're looking at is the fact that um, your Walker Cup teammate Steve Scott. 97 Walker Cupper, 99 Walker Cupper, runner up to Tiger, 96 USAM, 
Um, we grew up in the same city in Coral Springs, Florida, and we <laughs> randomly played rec basketball together when we were like nine or ten years old, and I've just sent you the team photo from that. And um, don't you wish you had that in your possession, that picture in your possession at all times at all Walker Cup get-togethers? I do now. <laughs> I do now. Now this one, this picture will be used. I don't care if you give me the copyright infringement or not. But that 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 is amazing. Actually, were you the stud of that team? Um, no, uh, I, basketball is never my game. Um, I I I could shoot, but the whole dribbling, keeping your head up, uh, box basketball, just not wasn't wasn't really my game. But uh, but that is uh, yeah. He went to Coral Springs High. I went to Terravel, a rival schools. He's about two or three years younger than me, and of course, um, yeah. I, I played one year of high school golf, and he just him and a couple other guys in that team were just uh, you know beasts, and they just destroyed everyone. I mean, he went to UF obviously, and a couple other guys in that team I think went to UF. But uh, but yeah, way back in the day, we ended up playing on a rec basketball team together. God bless. I'm going to send that to him right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it to him after we talk. He'll know exactly nice. what you did this morning. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, so you go, I, I don't want to get into too much about your professional career. You've spoke a lot about it. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the one win in the PGA tour, several wins, but I was really thinking about, your um your your career on nationwide corn ferry whatever you want to call it and you know i ha- i was i was so proud of myself that i thought of this and then i heard you say it in an interview that you uh you're the crash davis of of professional golf i was so proud of myself that i heard you say it i'm like shit and i was like and for and i got to reference this because i can't believe it but but the movie bull durham is 30 years old or over 30 years old and um, oh my gosh. I know and that that see that just sucks. But but, but I know I know. But Bull Durham, uh, you know, Kevin Costner is a great baseball movie, one of the best of all time and actually directed by Ron Shelton, who directed him again in Tin Cup. But Crash Davis was the character he played and he was the all time home run leader in the minors. And you are the all time leader in victories on the Corn Ferry Tour. So without getting into how that makes you feel and all that stuff. Let's have a little more fun. If you are the Crash Davis, who is the Nuke Lelouch? Who was the young guy on tour periodically that you had to help straighten out, you know, not allow fungus to grow in his shower shoes, you know, not leave bananas in his golf bag for three weeks at a time? Who was who the young guy that maybe throughout your entire career, whether it's the PGA Tour or – um, or any you know any tour who was a young guy that you periodically had to like hold by the hand and walk through periodically danny lee danny lee danny lee pat 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 and i kind of did that to each other a lot okay you know we, we'd, we'd uh perez and i would do that you know just because we spent so much time gosh who else that's a great 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 question um Cause I, I just love that movie, how, you know, he's just the wily veteran and, and then, you know, Tim Robbins is just the complete flake. I thought that, Dan, I, I thought that thing with Danny Lee and Fowler was just interesting how literally, and then and Danny's like, I need to find a girlfriend. Then he gets married as a kid. Like what? Like three weeks later? Like how'd that yeah, happen? Like, like 12 minutes later. Yeah. It's like, it was just, Danny was so, well, he still is. He just, 
he's a good kid, yeah. super good kid. Yeah. He's just super green, and he was just so easy to make fun of. Because if you if you ever hear him talk, he just has the greatest like yeah. Like he doesn't know if he's like Korean or New Zealand, and it's like all of these accents kind of like merge together. Right. And it's just, he's got the greatest, like, I just can sit and listen to him talk. Cause he, he just, he doesn't have, like, he obviously speaks perfect English, but right. he just doesn't have confidence in his, like, in his speaking. So, which is just ridiculous. So he just doesn't do it. And I don't I don't know if it's like an act that he puts on, but I mean, just the way he could say like, Oh, the world is round. And it's just funny. Like right. it's just for some reason he tickled. Like it just cracks me up. Like, like you could say like the most random stuff. Like just guitars are made of wood, <laughs> and it's just like it's just. It's just I know what you're talking it, about. It, I've heard him say. I, I've heard it before, and and it, you're right. It's just. Uh, well, you've said it many times. I mean, like playing golf is the hardest part. It's it's learning how to be actually be a professional and travel and know how to conduct yourself. And yeah, I, I that's a dangerous place if you're really green like that. Yeah, and but he but he was just he's so talented. Like he just like he worked with Drew Steckel for a long time, yeah. and, and uh, who was who was my coach, and uh, and you know when he he won Greenbrier and he and he was just swinging great and just. Guy wouldn't miss a center of a fairway for, you know, for months. One, and he's one, like, one amateur at 2008. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just a great ball striker. And Drew got him swinging really, really nicely and hitting it great. And he's just like, I want to hit it farther. It's like, Danny, you're making $3 million a year, dummy. Like, just, just play your game. Like, what are you doing? Like, but yeah, he's just saying, I go, I, I just have to do this. And I'm like, Danny, come here. And I just want to go like, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> no, Dan, what? It, no. And then he'd be like, but I'm like, whatever you're going to say after that, no to that too. Wow. Like, and I, like, I just, I love him to death. And, but he's, it's like Danny. And there were days I'd just be like, Danny, thanks for letting me make fun of you today. Cause yeah. you just, you bring so much joy. Like, you know, not apologize to him, but actually thank him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for being yourself. And, it helps. Yeah. Just thanks for being yourself. And just thanks for bringing so much joy to my life. Uh-huh. But, um, he, he's just, he's a, he's a great kid and he just, he's, you know, so good. And he just, hopefully he just keeps getting better and just stays healthy and has a great career. That's a perfect answer. I never, I, I didn't pick up on Danny Lee, but, uh, that you're answering that, but yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. Um, <laughs> I don't really know if there's a story here, but I definitely have to mention the fact that, you know, when people think about your professional career and, and I'm, you know, that at the 2005 US Open always gets talked about. And the thing that I also find so interesting is, you know, you have that really rough final round and people would probably expect you just to pack up your tent for the rest of the year, but you win three uh, corn Ferry tour events in a row and I'm not sure if people know that it happened after the U.S. Open. You literally go from the final round at Pinehurst on June 19th, then you start on July 7th in West Virginia at the National Mining, and you win three events in a row. You're 54 under par for three tournaments. Now, I know you got this massive you know, psych degree you got at Pepperdine that it sounds like you really got because you went to all the classes, um, but but what do you even do you even remember – how you like briefly how you got yourself into that position to 
mentally turn things around because I know you you can brush it off, but it still happened. And now you got to go and shoot sixty fives and sixty sixty sixes. You know, two weeks later, do you remember br- briefly how you got yourself in that spot to just like, all right, let's hit the reset and go go kick ass. Well, I just think after that round, I mean, I knew I knew Sunday was going to be difficult, and I kind of went in with the attitude of, all right, no matter what happens today, I'm going to learn something. Because I knew no matter what happened, I would never, ever be faced with that again. So, you know, even if I'm in the final round of a PGA Tour event, well, guess what? I've been in the final round of the last group of a major championship. Like how much how how much more experience can you get? Right. You know, even even if I was in the final round of the final group of a major championship, well, guess what? I've been there. And if I was in the final group of a final round of a corn ferry tour event, well, guess what? <laughs> I've seen you know multiple levels worse than this. So, and I knew I was playing good. And the mistake I made at Pinehurst was I tried to win the U.S. Open. Yeah. You you can't win. U.S. Opens. You 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 just try to run out of holes with the lead, and um, you know it's just I tried to I you know probably you know was trying to play smart, but somewhere in the back of my head was um, you know maybe come over this one to get at that back left pin, or maybe kind of push this one to get at that back right pin or front right pin, you know just something like that. Where just right, right. where I should have just stayed in stayed in the moment and just said. I'm going to hit this thing right at the middle of the green. I'm going to take this, this, this three wood instead of this driver and hit it down the middle. I'm going to get in the fairway. I'm just going to knock this thing in the middle of the green and I'm just going to keep making pars. And if one happens to go in, I know I'm putting well, it's going to go, you know, great, super. Right. And so what I did was I tried started playing aggressively and on Sunday of a U.S. open, especially you don't do that. So, um, you know, after that, it was great. I, I felt like I, I tried to handle myself as best as I could. I felt like I did that. And, you know, and I, I walked off that green and was like, holy crap, my life has changed no matter what happened today. You know, better or worse, I'll never be the same. And so either you're going to learn from this. It's kind of like the last hole at NCAAs, you know. It's like either you learn from this or you're going to wilt like a flower and you'll right. never be heard from them again. So I, you know, I tried to learn from it, tried to learn from what I learned at the NCAA, you know, making seven on the last hole to lose by a shot. So I went out there and I became like semi superstar. And, you know, it's like almost like that ego kind of got to you where, you know what, I'm better than you. Yeah. And whether that was true or not, I believed it. And it was like, you know what, I don't care how you play, how I, how poorly I play and how great you play you're still going to have to beat me to get that trophy. And they knew it. And I especially knew it. And it was just a mindset. It was just a way to, you know, it's like, it's like me walking out playing against a, it felt like, and it's going to sound so arrogant, but just bear with me. It's really, you're good. It's like walking out against a, a, you know, whatever, a five handicap who wants to be like, I'll play you straight up. Okay. Right. You know, it's like, it's like, I'm going to whoop you. I'm better than you are. You know, it's like, right. it's so, and that, you're almost that like was, you're hypnotizing yourself. It's like, you, yeah. you, if you can convince yourself of anything, I mean, hell, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it was just, I had so much confidence because I had known I'd seen the worst. And no matter what was thrown at me, I can handle it. And, you know, like when I shot 59 in Omaha, I had shot even part of the first round, was hitting it so bad on the range. 
that my buddy that was there who was coaching me at the time, <laughs> I said, dude, just get it. Just get away from me. Like I'm, I'm chunking it. I had pink eye. Yeah. Like I, that's why I was wearing my sunglasses. Like I was just like, dude, just get away from me. I'm going to miss this cut. And we'll just come back out and win next week. And he's like, well, no, you need to do this. I'm like, Mike, just, just get away from me. Seriously. Just, just go sit down, go get a, go get a bottle of water. It's hot out. Just, just get away from me. I just, I don't even really want to be here. So got out, you know, I make a couple pars and the next thing you know, I'm signing for 59. Like it was just one of those things. It's like had a couple putts go in. I all of a sudden the swing kind of clicked and it was like, all right, let's go. Right. So it was like one of those things. It's like, it didn't take much to just, to just set the fire going. And it was just at that point, they knew, like, I remember standing there with Bill Haas on one of the tees. And he's like, will you just hurry up and win the third and get out of here? And then you <laughs> look back and you're like, damn, you're like, damn, like you're the FedEx cup champion. You're Bill Haas. Like, you know, like you're one of the best in the world for a long time. No shit. You know, so, um, you know, this was after, this was right before I knocked on a 350 yard par four or something like that, or, you know, just, it was, it was stupid, but, right. um, you know, it was just, it was, uh, I just knew I was better. Like it just, something all of a sudden happened that was just like, damn, I'm hitting it better. I'm a better putter. I'm a better chipper. I'm, I'm just, I just all around, I'm just better than everybody here. And it's just, you started to believe it, whether it's ignorance, arrogance or, or whatnot, it was just, you just started to believe it and it just kind of bled into everything. And I mean, I remember I missed the cut at Canada um, the week before 84 lumber. And so we got to Pittsburgh, we got to Pennsylvania a week early and just kind of, or, you know, the weekend before on Sunday and had a good, good couple of weeks, good couple of days of practicing. And VJ Singh comes up to me. It was really the first time I met VJ. He comes he, up he's to me. A, he's a big VJ? teddy bear. He's a big teddy bear. Oh, he is. He's awesome. But, but he's big, Like he's, you don't realize how big VJ is until he gets right in your face. Right. Yeah. And he comes up to me and he goes, so you think you're pretty good now? <laughs> and I like look up to him and I mean, I'm six one and I'm not a small human. Right. And, um, and I look up to him and I go, look him right in the eyes. I go, yeah. And he goes, slaps me on the shoulder. And he goes, you'll be fine. Turn around and left. And he's been great to me ever since. Like he just, it was like a complete like mental fortitude test that yeah. he just, wanted to put me through and he like got right in my face. Like he was not practicing social distancing to put it that way. Um, he wanted to see if you actually believed what you're, what you were actually doing or if this was just yeah. like, if you were sleepwalking through it. Yeah. And he goes, you think you're pretty good now? And I go, yeah, I do. And he goes, you'll be fine. And slapped me on the shoulder and walked away. And it's like, I thank him for that. Like, Hey man, like, thanks for, thanks for calling me out. Like that was just, you just, you were just checking my temperature and I, you know, yeah. like I, I like it. And, um, you know, I ended up holding the trophy at the end of the week. And it was, you know, it was just stuff like that. Like, it was just, at that point, it was, and then for me, it probably turned into a business after that. And I just kind of lost interest. I guess you semi-retired. And uh, I, I have to ask, you know, you, you got into the insurance uh, business. You formed one with your uh, your wife and your partner. And, and I'm guessing you you spearheaded the division of the company that was in charge of taking clients out on the golf course. Is that is that fair to say? Was that your is that the part of the division that you were in charge of? Yeah, that was uh, that was mostly the male model. Male model, gotcha. Um, what uh, what are the keys to being a good host or a good guest when playing client golf? <laughs> well, my buddy Casey Kirkman, who's the partner in the thing, he's 
he's the king at it. Like he, he's just, I know we've been best friends for gosh, I'm going to say 15 years. And I, he's one of those guys, I know what's coming out of his mouth, you know, and it's still funny. Like I can tell you what he's going to say and it's still funny the way he delivers it. So he's kind of, he's that guy. And so when we got into this, we're just like, Hey, you want to do this? It's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. So, um, my wife, God bless her. She's, she's the one with the, I have my insurance license, and she, but she's the one who kind of runs with it. But, um, it was just kind of one of those things. It's like, you know what? I just want to change gears. I want to be home more. Yeah. And, um, I just kind of had enough. My back was kind of toast and it's just, I don't want to continue beating myself up. My kids were already, you know, 10 and 14 at that point. And, uh, I just, I wanted to be a dad. And that was it. It was like, I need to do something. I want to work. I, I like to work. And it was just kind of one of those things. And then I kind of got into RSM and I just had like a little minor, I had a radio frequency ablation on my back and I was feeling good. And it's when they go in, they burn all the nerves and it's feeling good. And I kind of got in the final group on Saturday, Sunday and, you know, played decently and played great on Sunday. Just none of the putts went in. And, and then the PGA tour sends this, uh, like, you know, one of those little memes out that says, yeah, I actually am. I actually did retire. I'm just an insurance salesman now. Yeah. 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 I saw and, that. And then, um, I reposted or retweeted. I'm not a, I have social media, but I kind of scared of it or don't like it. Or I don't know what, whatever you choose, which one you yeah, want to do. I'm, I understand. Um, and, uh, Jeff Hall saw it from the USGA and called me and that's, he's like, yeah. so, uh, I, I see uh, that's what you're doing, and, and uh, we're, we're thinking about doing, you know, starting this division at the USGA and wondering if you're interested. And I was like, not really, but, and then I thought about it, and, you know, because I mean, I was still kind of like, eh, I kind of, you know, that kind of motivated me to be like, yeah, I can still play. Yeah. And so I was like, well, let's, let's see how I do. And, you know, it was already like, I don't know, it was early in the season, so I was probably like, you know, mid eighties on the money list or whatever. And I'm like, you know, if I get into just a few more events and play good, play well, and I, we'll see what happens, yeah. you know? And so, but yeah, when that came up and he called me and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I don't know how interested I am, but I, I can help you with whoever you, you know, you being a Walker cup guy, USGA family guy. So I came home and made a phone call with my wife on the phone, called Jeff all again. And we hung up the phone and she goes, this is all you. And I said, I know it is. Yeah. And so here I sit. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Senior Director of Player Relations. And you've been in the role a little over a year now, I guess. And, uh, you know, I, I saw a lot of the media that, you know, that came out. I think it was like end of March 2019. And, you know, whether it's Golf Channel or people writing articles, you know, they, they it doesn't take a genius to figure out that part of the job is keeping, you know, open and constructive lines of communication uh, between, you know, USGA and PGA Tour players. And I guess that's maybe what maybe you thought it was or what everyone else thought it was going in. But maybe what are, you know, without getting into too much detail, but what are maybe it's just some of the different things you've learned over the last year? Maybe about how just the people, how it how the USJ operates, maybe just some, anything that you can share that's nonspecific, that's just an eye-opening thing of like, wow, that's that's interesting. I, I did not know that about the USGA after playing professionally for so long. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, the one thing that I hear a lot, it's like, well, they're a bunch of amateurs, right? A bunch of amateurs trying to run. Exactly. Yeah. The, right. Right. Th these are, these people are not amateurs. I'm not just saying that now that I'm inside the walls and I'm not just saying that because they write, you know, their name on the bottom of the check. 
Right. I'm being dead serious. And like these, there are people in that building that love golf. All of them do. And that's, that's when I was super like floored when I learned this and how many passionate people there are that love the game. Sure. They, they may not play PGA tour level golf. Okay, fine. Right. But how many people in the world actually do? And, you know, it's like, you don't need to do that to, to still love the game. And that's what I've learned is how, how much they actually value getting it right mm-hmm. and how much they love the game and how much, and how, how, how many great things they're doing for the game. And, and like I said, I'm not just saying that because I'm, I'm sitting, you know, in, in these offices, I, I was actually really, really floored. Cause I'm like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to change this. I'm going right, to show that. Right. Exactly. And I, and I walked in there, I was like, okay, wow. Yeah. Wow. I was, I was really wrong. I was, I was really, I was really pleasantly surprised of how many people knew, you know, knew so much about the game and just wanted to make it better. Yeah. And it, it was, it, that's what, you know, and like everything that they do, you know, it's a 401c3. So everybody's like, Oh, well, they're just sitting up there in their ivory towers and their blue blazers and they're just covered in dust. Cuban. Yeah. Yeah. Smoking Cubans, sipping Corvassia. It's like, no, 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 we don't make money. We have to don't, we have to give it back to the game. Right. It's, you know, like every dollar that comes in, we have to, we have to give it back to some sort of form of the game. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty special what's going on. And it's, 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 it's amazing what most people don't know what we're a part of. You know, it's, it's, it's cool to, to actually see what every dollar that somebody comes in and spends at the U S open, you know, you think like, wow, just, why are these tickets so expensive? Why is this hot dog so expensive? Or, well, it's like, well, it costs X amount of money to put this event on. And we still, we want to make sure that the USGA girls golf initiative gets funded. So, um, you may think it's an expensive hot dog, but look at, look at where your dollar is trickling to. Right. Exactly. Look at the difference you're making in this person's life over here. And, you know, you're introducing the game that you love. That's why you're here. And it, it, it's, that's what was mind boggling because it's like, wow, we do that. Oh yeah. Who else would do it? It's like, well, yeah, good point. <laughs> so it yeah. was, um, you know, even down to like the, the grasses we play on. You know, I mean, they're doing grass research for baseball stadiums and golf courses and just like football stadiums. It's like, holy smokes, this is incredible. Like, you know, the, the, out of the web that the USGA spins is incredible. Yeah. And that's that's what I was so shocked when I walked through those doors. I was like, that's, this is this is way, way bigger than I ever thought it was. Well, I'm glad I asked that question that way to get that kind of an answer because I, I, you know, did not want to get the I'm sure you guys are dealing with, I mean, the U.S. Open and what is going to happen at Wingfoot, when it's going to happen, I'm sure, like I said, you know, it's May 8th. Things could change in the next 30 minutes. So no reason to get into specifics, but I'm glad you uh, you answered about what, uh, you know, what the USGA does and what you're continuing to do for the game of golf. Well, let's let's get you out on a fun one. Let's talk about, you know, let's, let's save the best for last. Let's talk about your music career. Um, see? see? See, I, I I just hold these I just hold these bullets back. I just got them. I got tons of them. But but uh, let's let's talk about uh, you know what do you got? A couple dozen guitars there at the at the house. Um, you play every day, or, or you know, tell me a little bit about when you got into guitar. I got into guitar because I watched a Garth Brooks video in college, and I went out and I bought a Takamini 
guitar that I'm looking at right now that's because of what Garth played and I financed the damn thing. Wow. Right. My dad got so mad at me because I financed an eleven hundred dollar guitar. Wow. But I had to have it because that's what good that's what Garth Brooks played. Hey. Right. So um and you're a fancy guy. Dom Perignon, Cristal, and financing guitars, you're fancy. Yeah, like I just just, just that guy. But um <laughs> uh so I'm looking at it right now. I still have it. And then after that, I just that's been my thing. Like I've bought a guitar every one or two years. Um, I don't drink, I don't smoke. I, I just, I don't, you know, I don't. That's your thing. That, this is, this is my vice, right? Like I just think they're works of art. So, um, that's just what I do. I kind of go out and I, I, you know, I, I'm kind of, I, I have what, let me see, one, two, three, I have three Stratocasters, but I don't have a, a Fender Telecaster. So that's my next guitar is like, I want to buy a Fender Telecaster. I've got three different Stratocasters with different pickup configurations and stuff like that. But you know, just stuff like that. I got a Les Paul. I've got a couple, you know, music, Ernie Ball music mans. I've got three Martins, Taylor. You know, I just like, I just think they're beautiful. And I, you know, I think they're beautiful sounding. I think they're beautiful to look at. And I love to play. Like, I'm, I'm honestly like the, the 15 handicap that walks up with the $10,000 set of golf clubs. At the first oh, my God. That's great. And, and, and think I'm going to play better. Like, I've got a John Mayer signature strat that i think like holy crap if i buy this i'm gonna sound like him yeah no you're the guy that's at the pro-am with the brand new set of pxgs that can't that's 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 you that's me oh and you know what if you if you walked in my room right now i mean i've got marshall stacks i oh my god like like i'm that guy who thinks that if you get that i'm gonna i'm gonna sound like like slash i'm buying like the low bounce vokey that I have no business hitting. I'm buying the one that Jordan Spieth does because I watched him hit it, hit a shot from 40 yards and nice. then back it up. Right. Well, and, you know, it's like, well, well, if I get that wedge and I can hit it and back it up like Jordan, well, no, no, you're not. The The guitars are cheaper and smaller, so they're easier to hide from the wife. So I, they're cheaper and smaller than cars. <laughs> so that's brilliant. Yes. Who yes. who are who are some of your, if you, if you had a chance to just get a, a, a a nice little jam session with with some guys on tour, present players, previous players, anything. Um, I forgot to ask you that question. Also, what were some good spots on on your touring days where there was good live music? Because I'm sure oh, gosh. I know Memphis was always good. Yeah. Because um, I know Jacobson. Uh, I know Jacobson had the band with you know Mark Lye and Payne Stewart. Um, and, uh, Jake Trout and the Flounders. Yeah, Jake Trout and the Flounders. I can't remember the fourth member of that band though, for some reason. It's Mark Lai. Was it, was it Rinker? Yeah. Lee Rinker. I think it was Lee, Larry, Larry, Rinker. Larry Rinker. Larry Rinker. Yeah. Rinker. Yeah. I think that was who could, who could play. He could play. Yeah. Payne was just there on harmonica. I know that. And then he was just there cause he was handsome. Yeah. Like you, yeah. the male model. I get it. I get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jake actually just sent me a song. Like he's like sent me the words to it. He's like, "Hey, put 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 something together to this." I'm like, "Jake, you're giving me way too much crap here, man." <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> um, uh, Russell Henley can play. Um, okay. There's a few other guys. I'm trying to think of. I know. I know Matt Goggin could play. He always traveled with a uh, with like a, a strap. I always would see it in front of his locker. Um, I never really heard him play, but anybody who's got one, I'm just going to assume they can play because, you know, 
Um, there's a few, I think Brennan Steele maybe does a little bit. Eric, uh, uh, Kevin Eric Van Royen's Streel- doing some stuff now. Is yes, yeah. yes, he is a street Streelman can play. Kevin Streelman can play. I've heard him play, he, he's good. Um, yeah, there's we need a bass player, we need a bass player and a drummer. We got we got plenty of guitarists and a singer, but we got that Joe Horowitz. Have you ever, you ever yeah, yeah, I, to, yeah. I know, and I know, he, he, and I know Jake Owen is really involved with a lot of Spieth's charity yeah. stuff. Um, and but then, he's like legit. He's like yeah. a legit star. Like Joe, Joe, Joe should be a legit star. He he does an Instagram live thing every Sunday night, and it's just he's great. It's just him and a guitar, and he's he uh, he plays at Pebble Beach every year, and he's he's just super talented. He's unbelievable. But we can um, we can we can we can nominate him as a tour player because he, he's actually like I think he's. I don't know if he's ever won the Met Open, but he's maybe played well or led the Met Open. So we can honorary tour player him. Nice. For our, so, um, but yeah, we we just need a bass player. But I think if you know how to play, if you understand the guitar, you can be a bass player. That's uh, yeah, yeah. Bass players, you can you can you can finagle that. Yeah, and a drummer. I don't know. Well, that'll be, that'll be a fun side project, you know. Since you have nothing else to do, you know. Since you yeah, know, nothing going on. I, but yeah, we got a drum set too. So. Oh shit! My son tried to play drums for a little bit, and I got like a rolling kit. I'm just that guy. I'm sorry. I just I, uh, why am I apologizing? But I, I don't and know. and, and Daly can play a little bit. I guess Daly can be our singer. Oh yeah, put him up there. I mean, if you can get him, yeah. you know, get him out of his shell, you know, to get him to, to... <laughs> exactly. go on, get him out of his corner. Uh, well, a uh, delicate pedal. Yeah, exactly. I knew, uh, Jason, I, I knew this was going to be a, a awesome episode. You did not disappoint. Uh, I appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, good luck with uh, the rest of the year. I know you guys have a have a, a big task in front of you trying to figure out how we're going to conduct some national championships this year. So um, keep whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. Figure it out for us all, for all the golf fans out there. And uh, hopefully we can catch up again soon. But I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Thanks, Ben. Always love the back of the range. And there you have it. Special thanks to Jason Gore for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. We are on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Shoot me an email with any comments that you have. And remember, everything can be found on our website, thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you again next time for another episode here at the back of the range.